0: it is the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thank you for giving me some time. I'm Dan McNeil. Adam Delavitt is the guy who's in charge of Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Sam Michael is my executive producer. Hope you're having a good week as summer heats up here in Northwest Indiana and all over Chicagoland. I've got a golf question as I empty the mailbag in just a little bit as promised finally making good i'm going to get to at least three good questions i got via social media since i asked for them uh earlier in the week and also early last week and then i failed to follow up on it nonetheless i've got some good listener feedback i want to get to and thank you very much those of you who continue to listen to the podcast and to ask questions even if it's about Coons Lake fishing, happy to oblige. Thank you for doing that. The Cubs are white heat, red hot. Well, they're, they're hot. Let's just say the Cubs are on a little bit of a roll. Now, you hit the brakes on it right now because the Cubs are going across the big pond, as we've said for decades, stupidly, in sports radio. Anytime somebody has to play in Europe, oh, they're going across the big pond. They're going to Europe. They're going to be playing the Cardinals for a couple games in London. And I had this conversation last week with a couple of baseball-loving friends on whether this is the right move for Major League Baseball, if following the NFL's lead and playing games in London is really going to do much for baseball's popularity. Are you going to to make more of a dent globally? than you've made yes baseball is huge in spanish-speaking places that never is going to change i don't suspect i i don't really know why baseball would would benefit from this because baseball has too many problems here in america right now to be worrying about the european audience you're not the nfl and you know you're not you're not the NBA either. You you hang on to your lead over hockey because hockey is a garage league still. And uh, I, I don't know if this year's final, the Las Vegas Golden Knights v the Florida Panthers, did anything to change that. I don't suspect it did. Original six teams either didn't go to the playoffs or got popped in the face early see the Boston Bruins and their 65 regular season wins. And they were a first round exit Uh, that set a record for most wins and most points. So, and then the Rangers with Patrick Kane, they get knocked out in a seventh game in their early series. So uh, it, it just wasn't good for American hockey. Baseball has third place. And if it's going to nip at the heels of the NBA, I think you fix what's wrong with it right now, most immediately. And the calendar plays well into this conversation. It's one I've had before, and it's one that it seems like such an obvious fix to me. And it's not the end-all be-all. There are a lot of reasons why baseball is not popular with kids in America when comparing it to previous generations. The time we spend watching it is not the way we live our lives anymore. It's fast reaction, it's text message, it's email, it's highlights, it's page views. People don't read newspapers to a large degree anymore. Give me the headlines. That's how Younger people have been living their entire lives, and it's how many of us who are baby boomers have learned how to live. Give me the headlines. We don't want to commit to a three-hour or three-and-a-half-hour baseball game. The pitch clock this year is a step in the right direction. That's a good start. People are enjoying much faster-played baseball games, not as much downtime. And that's great. It's good when the ball is in play, isn't it? Isn't that why you like baseball? See see the ball get hit. See somebody try to field it and then throw it. It's baseball. But uh, what I think baseball needs to do more than anything else right now is fix the goddamn All-Star break. You cannot have Hall of Fame induction ceremonies going on after the All-Star break When teams are playing, if a fan has a team that's competing for a postseason and it's July, they're going to want to watch their team on Sunday. Chances are excellent they're not going to park their ass in front of Hall of Fame induction speeches, especially if they don't have a dog in the fight, if there isn't a local hook. It's so obvious. You own the week. There is nothing else happening in All-Star Week in America. There's nothing going on. You have that rare luxury of being the only game in town and you piss it away and you don't do your Hall of Fame enshrinements during the All-Star Week, the night before the game, or the day of the game, or the day after the game. You have your home run. Derby, which can be fun and can be a way to get ripped off when the rules aren't enforced. Those of you who had Kyle Schwarber a few years ago can relate to my peril. Yeah, I had Schwarber and uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper got extra swings. You're supposed to wait until the ball hits the seats before the next pitch is thrown. Harper cheated but there was, uh, there was nobody to whom I could complain. Anyway, that's a fun thing with the All-Star break. Have the ceremony then, and there has to be at least a couple guys every year worthy of enshrinement. The NFL maybe gives us too many enshrinees. Baseball sometimes gives us nothing. Nope, nobody was good enough to get into our Hall of Fame this year. What? What are you talking about? Nobody was good enough this year? Are you serious? So you, you've got to fix that. And something I've been on for the last few years as well, and I'm going to come off as as an ageist here, but we're talking about younger people not watching baseball. One of the reasons why is because the guys who are broadcasting baseball locally, not so much the national voices, but many of the local crews are antiquated. Dinosaurs. You've got a lot of old school baseball thought processes being shared by former pitchers and former infielders, former sluggers. All over the country, guys who remember when the Montreal Expos was were in their first season and played their games at Jerry Park, guys who call the American flag old glory or stars and stripes, waving in the breeze, uh, fabled Lake Michigan, Chip Carry, it's just not cool at all. There is no degree of hipness in in so many of these broadcast booths. And a few years ago, we found a particular, we got quite a kick out of the Pirates booth. Greg Brown was the play-by-play man. And uh, I believe it was Steve Blass. It was a former, I'm pretty sure it was Blass who was sitting with him and they were they were complaining about jewelry and tattoos. And I wound up, I told my producer, get Greg Brown on the show. I want to talk to him about why he hates jewelry on today's players. They were bitching kids today, you know, look at these bums. Uh, and he said he thinks it's an impairment on the bases. He actually sat there with a straight face and says, Yeah, it can, it can be an impairment when you're running the bases, having the jewelry on. Okay. I was unaware of that. Thank you, Craig, and thank you for nothing. Now, Blast since has retired, and they have some new meat in the Pirates broadcast booth, but, jeez, get younger. And, you know, and not getting younger for the sake of younger, get younger to get better if you've got better voices. When I watch Quick Pitch, which is on Major League Baseball Network every morning, And it's, it's a whip around the league. You find out what every team in the league did last night. You get to listen to all four crews, both the home and the visitors radio and TV booths. So you might hear Len Casper from white Sox radio and the pitch from Michael Kopech. And then you might hear Rangers television giving you the highlight of, of one of several solo home runs. Um, and then they bounce back and forth, both TV crews. Dan Pleisak told me the crew at MLB, MLB Network is just enormous. If you were to walk through their production studios at 10 o'clock on any weeknight, there's 25, 30 kids, kids, college students buzzing around, interns and young producers putting together what is a heavenly produced television show but i hear all of the voices around major league baseball every morning and so many of them are the same there's so much cookie cutter going on they and i think and the guy who you know who followed john miller was was very very good at ESPN, but I, they all sound like him. Everybody's and now the he, the Bulls announcer, Adam Amin, who does NFL games. They all sound like him. They, it just seems like they're all the same voice. It's like they all went to the same school. Many of them are Syracusians. Is that a word? Syracusians? Syracuse broadcast alums. I, I'd like to state a case for Ball State, and I can With uh, every school in the state of Indiana for sports broadcasters, but uh, for national broadcasters, Syracuse. Syracuse is the gold standard. I said it. Okay. Syracusians. They all sound like that. Baseball could get younger in the booth. Jim DeShays is dreadful on Cubs television. And I know a lot of Cubs fans who've not warmed up to Boog Zombie either, but uh, DeShays is dreadful. He's a nice guy. That's why people who do sports talk in columns don't criticize him and say what's truly on their minds with Jim Jim Deshaies. He's terribly boring. He's dull. He's Dan Roan sitting in the voices are the exact same. The retired Channel 9 sportscaster. That's who Jim Deshaies sounds just like. He's dull. And Darren Jackson on Sox radio has never been a very dynamic announcer and Benetti and stone doing, doing white Sox television are very good when they're not doing their vaudeville act. I don't need Jason Benetti to constantly be trying to, trying to be the funniest dude in the room. Let it come to you. Stone's naturally a funny guy. sometimes, So just don't, don't force it. And, and Cubs radio is a big dose of Zach Zademan who seems to be the, the heir apparent to Pat Hughes, a youth movement. Uh, Zach, one of those broadcast school guys, a Syracusian as well, not much originality coming out of these booths, but I think Zach ultimately is going to succeed Pat Hughes. And that's, it's, it's a youth movement and he knows what, uh, BFF means Uh, Pat doesn't Pat got mad at somebody for thinking they were saying something bad on the radio a few years ago Uh, so that's what baseball needs to do forget the Cubs and Cardinals playing in London fix your all-star game and get your damn broadcast better make the broadcasts more exciting inject a little youth in these broadcasts that would help that would help a lot I'm Dan McNeil and you're listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the bet rivers podcast network. Thank you for listening Please subscribe if you've not done so already You can do it anywhere you get your podcast and tell a friend the macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff. The White Sox lost another series. The Texas Rangers give it to the Sockos, who fall short at home. And uh, again, falling below the 500 mark at the rate, or if you prefer, the G-spot, U.S. Cellular Field the concrete salad bowl, as we used to call it, until they reshaped it and made it a nicer facility. But the Sox and their fans continuing to slosh along, Vandy, through the 23 season, 12 games below the 500 mark. And because the division sucks so royally, the conversations do not end regarding the reasons you stay in this thing that you don't acquiesce when the phone rings and somebody says we want Giolito or we want cease i you know if you've heard this podcast at all this summer you probably are aware that i'm on board with moving anybody and everybody it would take a colossal pitch to get me interested in parting with junior Luis Robert, but the rest of them, you can have them all. There's not one guy on that roster who's untouchable. And why people are continuing to cling. And Ozzie Guillen, my guy, did it again the other day, Wednesday morning. He did it. He says, you just think about if you get to October, if you win this lousy division. And he he was pointing out both sides of the argument. I'm not saying he's got his heels dug in on this. I don't want to misrepresent him because he's terribly frustrated by this product, too. How When you have to watch it night after night, and I'm glad I don't. he does. He does a lot of postgame work for the White Sox on NBC Sports Chicago. But he's talking about, well, if you get in a big game in October and Dylan Cease is on, you got a real good shot. Yeah, you do. But what, what is telling you? What would give you a reason to believe you have enough starting pitching to get you through even a short series in October? What would, what would give you that? Or, or, or your, your bullpen is going to hold up in this era when your starters rarely sniff the fifth inning in October? And where's the offense coming from when it's not Luis Roberts? It's, it's not happening with this White Sox. I don't, I don't know how anybody can hang on to the notion this team needs to play it out through the year. The division is takeable. Hold on to what you got. No. No, you don't. You part company with Moncada. You do it with Cease if it's the right deal. You do it with Kopech. They're all available. Everybody on my roster is available, but you better be willing to give me a shitload in return if you want my center fielder. Those are these White Sox. That's who they are. They're a lousy baseball team. It turns out the manager wasn't the only issue with the White Sox. I, I'm glad it's no longer Tony Larusa, but for all the stuff we heard about his successor, when's that coming? <laughs> I they're they're a hard team for me to to stay behind, and I I don't understand why more people aren't saying Jesus enough already. Let's be done with them. That's that's where I'm at. Let me get to the uh, to the mailbag. And anytime you want to get to me, you can follow me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show or on Facebook, M C N E I L. Bobby Durnell asked me the question what was the greatest single moment I've ever experienced at a sporting event? And I love the way he phrased it when he said single moment, because there are games that wind up being more significant than, than single moments, and there might be single moments in a game that didn't swing the game as much as others, but are those greatest moments, and that's where I would go to for my number one moment would be Paul Konerko's Grand Slam in game two of the 0-5 World Series. The White Sox were trailing the Astros 5-2. to Chad Qualls came in from the bullpen, and with the bases loaded, First pitch to Konurko. He jacks it to left center field. It it felt like U.S. cellular field was shaking. It probably wasn't. You couldn't hear the person next to you that moment. Putsednik gets the walk-off. The Astros tied the game at six, and Scott Potsednik got the walk-off in the ninth or tenth. And that's that that obviously is the winner, and it sends him to Houston two to nothing. But it's Canerco's Grand Slam that was the greatest single moment of that game, of my life as a baseball fan. Outdistancing Mark Burley's perfect game a few years later in July of 09. That was pretty damn cool. I thought Gabe Kaplan's bomb to center field was, was easily gone. But we all know Dwayne Wise went up and got it to the catch. Second greatest moment, probably, uh, and I want to get to this quickly because it's, uh, its anniversary is Saturday, and that is 17 seconds. 17 seconds with uh, Bickle scoring the game-tying goal in Boston in game six of the cup final of 2013, turns 10 on Saturday. Uh, it was David Boland, the rat, who had the game winner just 17 seconds later and less than a minute on the scoreboard clock. It was the Hawks' second title in four postseasons, three calendar years, and it was so much more satisfying than Patrick Kane's overtime game winner in Philadelphia in 2010 because you actually got to see the puck cross the goal line twice in 17 seconds. Tuka Rask, the Bruins' goaltender, not protecting the left side of his cage, Brian Bickle, who had a terrific postseason that year, made himself a lot of money in the 2013 playoffs, went into the final as one of the favorites for the Conn Smythe, believe it or not. He got a $16 million deal busted out. I know he got sick, but that was way too much money for Bickle at the time. And uh, one of the, the the few Stan Bowman moves that was financially unsound. There were a couple but uh, not nearly as many as Dale Talon, who built the champion Hawks. Um, and then they had to be just basically the roster turned over largely after that cup in 2010. But uh, 17 seconds would be my silver medalist uh, on the list of sports moments. Bickel and Boland. Uh, when Boland beat Rask on the left side of the cage, um, to Rask's right side, I grabbed my radio partner and just started shaking him. I said, Spiegel, the Hawks have won the effing cup. The Hawks have won the effing cup. My Coons Lake guy, as uh, I, I awkwardly take a real hard left-hand turn, thanked me for mentioning the air bubblers out at Koontz Lake. I'm not fishing that lake again. That That is a cesspool. They have oxygen, uh, oxygenation problems out there. The fish life is is not very good. The water doesn't look outstanding, and it's just torn up too much from recreational boating. I'm a rec boater. I will use Coons Lake for recreational boating, but I've taken my fishing rod out to Coonby National for the last time. And uh, the last question I want to get to is from, a listener, Mark day and Mark. Thank you for being a regular on the podcast and an advocate. He tells me he has passed along the word about the Danny Mac podcast to all of his friends who bitch about today's state of sports radio. He wants me to, to be a little bit more, I guess from the toes a little bit more. How did I get there? Give a little bit more is what he's asking on how I've come about reaching golf acceptance because he can't get there. Uh, Mark says he's a little bit younger than I am, but he cannot arrive at a point where he can get in a golf cart and, and say I'm going to be happy even though I don't know what my score is today because I will pick up the ball a couple times and I might even take a hole or two off if I'm not feeling well. It's not easy, dude. I It took me a while. I'm not saying this happens overnight. It is a process. I think – We have to remind ourselves anytime we get a chance to get on the golf course, it beats working. And while we're not what we once were, maybe even as recently as five years ago, 10 years ago, I know that's the case with me. uh, You got to relish those chances while you still have them. I mean, I went to a funeral last week for a dude who's one year older than I am a guy I used to run around with and pal with, and and he died. And it's, it's being reminded of stuff like that. I'm getting out today, for example, with seven high school buddies, two foursomes back-to-back at a golf course in Northwest Indiana, uh, and, and we're having four two-man scrambles. That's another way. We have found, I have found, and I've shared it with the guys, and they love this concept. I ranked our players 1 through 8, pairing the 1 with the 8, the 2 with the 7, so on, so on. So we have even teams. It's not the low score of the two guys. You don't play your own ball. The two guys hit the best ball of the pair, and you have to take, I, I think we'll say, you have to take five tee shots from both players, and we'll play that way through nine holes, And then maybe we'll shuffle the deck if if it were because one guy may not be able to make 18 for a scheduling issue. And another guy, that's me, has a hernia that uh, three hernias, actually, that may take him off the golf course a little early. So you have to find some gaming, something that you do well. If you don't trust your I see, I can't drive the goddamn ball anymore. I used to take so much pleasure in watching that thing disappear. That's not been the case. Uh, last few years, the best part of my game has been my six iron and, and, and lower, you know, give me a six iron, give me an eight iron, give me that 140 yards over water. And I feel good about making a nice, easy swing, taking more club with that. And if you want to have a closest to the pin contest on every part three, I'm in on that because that's a, it's, So we're going to do that today as well. So it, 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 it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Mark. And thank you for, for asking me to be a little bit more explanatory. And uh, I I hope that gives you some indication as to where I'm on. And I think this parlays into something I had a conversation with regarding my therapist actually this week. And that is getting more in touch with my spiritual side, because that is a place where I have found peace on the golf course, peace with, with my deteriorated game and my age and my, my ultimate demise, uh, I need to do that in other areas. And I I think that I have found it through uh, the golf part, which is such a minimal part of my life is good. I, I think I'll remember those things after I practice them today and take them into my daily approach. Um, because apparently I haven't been doing that based on the content of yesterday's skull session, um, on the couch. Can you see the real me, can you, can you? Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Danny Mac podcast. I'm the Mac part. My name is Dan McNeil and I will be back Tuesday next week. Um, soon we'll have Darren Pang on the uh, podcast for you. The former Blackhawks goaltender uh, who is now back in their television booth. He's been employed by the team before and a long time on NBC NHL network. He's been the uh, analyst for the St. Louis Blues for about 15 years. He's coming back to Chicago. He'll be on the show next week and and you know I will be counting down to training camp looking very much forward to that and to see what stupid thing Aaron Rodgers may say next. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. I'm Dan McNeil. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.